after these messages will be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hello, everybody. Welcome to After These Messages, bringing you hot takes on commercial breaks. That's right. We're talking about all the commercials. We're talking about the good ones. We're talking about the bad ones. And we're talking about the ones where people say weird shit like this. So long, stink face. My name is Andrew Walsh. She's Genevieve Has. She's sitting across from me. Hey, Veeves. Hi, Andrew. Uh, Coming up today, I have been toiling away in this overheated studio for the past several hours. It started off as a quiz. Speaking of stink face. It does kind of stink in here, doesn't it? This room does get stinky. Yeah, sorry. Um, You just, yeah, that's the thing. I work in here all day, and then at the end of the day, you come in here, and you're just like entering my, I don't even know. Musk (laughs) palace? Not what I was going to say. Isn't there a word for that in like nature when somebody's created a, a little... Area Ooh, I don't know. I would love. Like I would love that, to know what that word in nature. I feel like is. it's right on the tip of my brain. It <laughs> also, might be something I'm making up. Anyway, so here's the, the Germans deal. have a word for it. Yes, um, I started by making you a quiz today. I thought oh, it'll be fun. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't have any great ideas. I was like, oh, once I start working on a quiz, something will happen. Well, this ended up becoming more of a history lesson. I think we'll do it. In, <laughs> we'll do it in quiz form. But it's very. It's only got a few questions in here. Um, but what happened was, I know that. I've been thinking about our, our new slogan a lot lately because you're very excited about the new so slogan. So excited. Hot takes on commercial break. I said it to a guy in a bar. And Steve, if you're listening, hello and welcome. Oh, that's right. We met somebody at Teddy's. Yeah, his dad was a hole. was a madman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like... He didn't work in the advertising. Agency. He was just he a just, lunatic. Just a loony. No, he was a guy, his dad... This is like a middle-aged guy and his dad was like the, you know, the Don, like in the Don Draper era and he told us all these super fun stories um, about what it was like growing up with a with an ad wizard for a dad, but I I tried out the slogan on him when I yeah, told him about right. the podcast. He's like, "Oh, what's what's your podcast about?" You're like, "Well, we have a slogan: hot takes on commercial breaks." He was a little. It's I don't know. Explanatory. I don't know. Hot, I mean, it's a little. Hot takes might be a little bit out of his vernacular. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so that might be that might be one limiting factor. But anyway, we're off the rails a little bit here. But while we're talking about Steve, our new friend. Um, he said something that you really loved, which is his dad would come home, and if all the kids were like excited about a new commercial that they saw on TV, yeah, would... they laughed. If he and his siblings, okay. if Steve and his siblings laughed at a commercial, his dad would make a note of which commercial they laughed at, and then wait about ten minutes, and then say, "Hey, kids, you remember that commercial that you laughed at? What was it for?" Mm-hmm. And he, and uh, our friend said, you know, half the time or more than more than more often than not, the kids couldn't remember what it was for, and their dad would say like, "Aha." That's right. We saw it's not that. a good commercial. We saw that uh, last week on this show. You were playing old commercials for me and trying to see how long it would take me to remember the product. And there's that AT and T commercial where the guy's doing a like a fake focus group with little kids in yeah, like a preschool that we loved. Love that commercial, and I couldn't remember like three years later, four years later, what the product was for at all. I wouldn't even I couldn't even tell you the industry, like the it category. Was for. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, no, uh, let's see. So um, 
uh, you're excited about slogans. And so I started looking at the history of some iconic slogans. At, at first, they weren't all going to be iconic, but they kind of ended up being that way. So I'm going to play for you some slogans, just just the slogan. And you got to tell me right away if you can tell me what the brand is that it's associated with. It should okay. be, most of them should be fairly easy. It'll just be interesting to see if once you separate it from it, will you be able to, will your brain make that connection? Yeah, I'm excited. But what I really did was then I tried to look up the backstory of all these famous slogans and they all have some sort of an interesting story I think attached to them so we'll get into that also uh, listener KJ last week suggested a segment called ad nauseum because it's just punny it's like right there for us right um, it's I, begging to be a segment I think KJ wanted to be like maybe commercials that are annoying us because they're you know too frequently played I thought why do we have to be negative it could just be the ads that in our TV watching universe the stuff that we're just seeing a lot of and there's a campaign that's running very heavily right now that actually delights you it does even though you have some qualms about the company yeah so that'll be our inaugural ad nauseum segment you try saying that inaugural ad nauseum okay you actually did it smoother than I did so all right. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> a bottle of beer. <laughs> okay. Um, now, speaking of slogans, before we get into any of that stuff, um, I know you love the new slogan, and I do too. And I'm, by the way, I'm not going to suggest that we change it or anything like that. But in my research today, I came across some websites that automatically generate slogans for you. And we really should have explored this because, first of all, we'd have two copies of Love Under Gold. Lo Love Over Gold. Love Over Gold. Love right Under now. Gold was the sequel. That's right. It was, uh, took place at a funeral. So uh, I'm on a website right now called www.slogangenerator.org, apparently a nonprof, and you enter a subject to generate a slogan for it. So should we just type in podcast here? All right, try podcast. Podcast, generate slogan. It gives you a whole bunch of things. Um, accomplished podcast mavens. <laughs> After these messages, accomplished <laughs> podcast mavens. Yeah. Okay, how about this? Really not specific to us. After these messages, we dedicate ourselves to great podcasts. That I like. I like that. That's, you know, TBTL could borrow that, <laughs> That's actually. That's not bad. Okay, I'm going to hit it again. It's just generating these each time I hit go. Uh, after these messages, the good podcast folks. <laughs> Can we try something that's more specific to yeah. our content? Uh -huh. try, try commercials. Okay, commercials. <laughs> After these messages, specialists in commercials. You know what? Uh, simple but accurate. To the point. Yeah. Steve would get that. <laughs> exactly. Um, how about... After these messages, experienced in commercials. <laughs> yeah, that's right. another one. Let's try one more of these. Then I have another one I want to try out too. Uh, after these messages, the commercials people. Yeah, these not are all bad. Great. I like right? it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about this one? Um, this is from Shopify.com/tools/slogan-maker. Sure. I like to be specific. Yeah. In case anybody wants to look this up, enter a word that you want your slogan to include. Should it be after these messages? Sure. I think I tried this earlier. Generate slogans. This should spit out a list of them. Let the after these messages take the strain. Okay. Okay, that's, that's rough. That's rough. After these messages, new and improved. After these messages, when there's nothing else. <laughs> 
Yes. That's great. Step into after these messages. Anyone can handle after these messages. <laughs> Many people can tolerate after these messages. <laughs> I wasn't even making my up. <laughs> Snap crackle after these messages. This is really honestly answers that there's truly been. after these messages. <laughs> after these messages eyesed. Uh, the passionate pursuit of after these messages a leaner meaner after these messages is it on there oh there it is yeah i was an after these messages weakling <laughs> what? <laughs> what isn't this great do you feel like we pulled the trigger a little bit too quick on hot takes i do enjoy these these are unbelievably generic which is I, which is the joy of them of course this is the age of the after these messages. A taste for after these messages. <laughs> and I think if I click on this, this website is actually trying to sell us um, like merch. So you yeah. cre- it creates a slogan for like you, then you can buy a hat. The t shirt, the flamethrower. <laughs> exactly. Et Shout out to Julia. I like one. I like the one that was. Um, Sorry, I scrolled. Oh, no, I don't can know scroll where back it is. Up. Yeah. Um, it was after these messages all the time. <laughs> How about, just gotta have after these messages. (laughs) Free after these messages with your purchase. (laughs) I'm telling you, I I have a little bit of, not not buyer's remorse, but just that I wish we had kicked the tires a little bit more. I wish we had done this while we were doing the competition, but obviously none of these are in any way truly usable. These would have been so much more affordable I mean, for us. Affordable for, oh, versus buying two paper used back paperbacks. Books. Exactly. Alright, don't look at the screen. I'm actually on my quiz thing. Alright. Uh, speaking of, let's just get into the slogan talk here. Should I cover my screen? Yeah, I want you to do that. I haven't heard that in a while. I love that track. Welcome back, Michi. Um, all right, so here's the deal. I'm going to play for you just a clip of a... These are Most of these, I'm going to say four out of five of these are very famous slogans. Uh, here's the first slogan from a commercial. You tell me the product. The Uncooler. Ah. Oh, uh, 7-Up. 7-Up, indeed. I thought there was, if you got caught up on that at all, it would be if you mistook it for Sprite. I did. And that for was just, the only I, thing. I, I had to pause and remember which one it was. Well, I found myself on the Duke University Library blog today, if you can believe it. Cool. Almost, with a couple of exceptions, almost everything I came upon telling the the histories of these slogans, they were so well Did you tell them that you know my dad? I didn't, no. uh, Famous graduate (laughs) of of Duke. Um, By the way, this blog is called The Devil's Tale, T-A-L-E. I like it. Blue Devils. Absolutely. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, I'm going to read directly from the uh, from the blog here. Uh, let's see. Did I write down? Yeah, this was written by Amy McDonald, I think in 2013. It was 1967, and the people weren't drinking 7-Up. Well, a few were. Consumers mostly thought of the bubbly beverage as a mixer or a tonic to calm an upset stomach. But executives at the St. Louis-based 7-Up company were anxious to tap into a wider market. The company wanted to rebrand its product as a common soft drink like the more well-known cola beverages, Pepsi and Coke. It enlisted a marketing team from the Chicago office at the J. Walter Thompson ad agency to help them out. Out of this collaboration came one of the most famous advertising campaigns of the 20th century. Now, they go on to say that with all the uh, social tumult 
and counterculture going on in the late 1960s, of course, Vietnam and everything. The campaign specifically was based on being like an anti-establishment choice, like making Pepsi and Coke the establishment brands and actively trying to make seven up like part of the younger generation right. the hippie generation which is so funny like seven up and hippies well now it's owned by pepsi but i assume it was an independent brand yeah back then. yeah and we're going to talk about some other products later that are kind of similar to that but um i almost gave you a clue um anyway they do a good job of like kind of portraying how they started with this uh very very targeted billboard campaign that and this blog post pulled quotes from coverage at the time and it seemed like the people who were talking about this at the time were very impressed with how specifically they were targeting these billboards i mean i assume that i mean we're talking the late 60s there was targeted advertising then but apparently it was still very common just to go for broad coke pepsi billboards all over the place this time they were specifically putting these in places that would attract the eyes of young people and apparently it was also the young people were kind of creating their own seven up art and stuff in the same way that like wow. some popular podcasts will have like you know listeners writing something so they were like hanging up well user generated user generated like uh marketing content is is all the rage now i mean there's lots of ways that brands are getting users to generate uh content for yeah. them. i mean we go to the movies and there's like some I'm a filmmaker and I made this yeah. movie about Coke. It's terrible, but please enjoy. Right. Yes. I mean, I editorialized a little oh, on which that. part? <laughs> um, anyway, I thought that was really interesting that they actually supposedly, if this is to be believed, they kind of stirred up enough passion from the youth to like kind of be making their own art and hanging it in their things. And um, then they then they finally got to the TV ads. And that's uh, the voice that you just heard. Trinidadian dancer and actor Jeffrey Holder. Actually, the first black person ever used in the 7-Up campaign. This would have been a little bit later. I think this might have been the early 70s by the time this came along. I got to say, not super surprising that there weren't any African-Americans or black people in, because um, I guess he's not African-American. Um, he's Trinidadian uh, in 7-Up campaigns, you know, yeah. that, that early. Not great, but not super surprising. Um, I think this might be the very first Uncola one. He's sitting in a chair. It looks kind of tropical, and he's holding up two cola nuts, and he's talking about how this is what they... Do you remember this ad, by the way? No, I'm not I'm not 60 years old. Well, you do do a podcast about commercials but I don't re- every now and but then. But I don't remember it. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, he's talking about the cola nuts, and then he says, these are... I can't... He doesn't call them um, Lyman's. Was that 7-Up or... 7-Up was the Lyman, I that think. That was the Lyman much later. Anyway, he holds up a lemon and a lime and says, these are also some sort of soda nuts. You'll hear it. These are cola nuts. They grow here. They're used to make cola-flavored soft drinks. These... On the other hand, are uncola nuts. Oh, right, of course. How did I biff that? Yeah. So he holds <laughs> up the lemon and the lime, and he says, these are uncola nuts. They grow here, too. But as you can see, they're a bit different from cola nuts. Rather larger, for one thing. Rather juicier, too, I'd say. Marvelous little things, uncola nuts. We use them, of course, to make the uncola seven up. It's the uncola nut that helps give the uncola its Je ne sais quoi, you know, fresh, clean taste, no aftertaste, wet, wild, all that. Marvelous, absolutely marvelous. Just try making something like that out of a cola nut. Why, it's even prettier than a cola. 
Nuttier than a cola, actually. <laughs> I think he means, I, I thought about that line a lot, nuttier than a cola. I think he means like he's a little off. Right. right. It's like a little crazy. Like a little crazy. Like Steve's dad. Yeah, they're, I, like, like Steve's dad. <laughs> uh, hi, Steve. Um, <laughs> you said he was a madman. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I can't see the commercial because I'm not looking at the screen with the for the quiz, but there, that felt a little potentially problematic. Is mm-hmm. how is he dressed? Like, does he? Well, look, here, why he don't like, you why don't you uh, remove is that? He, like and highly just, sort of exoticized. You know, it's funny. I found this to be charming and cool, and that it's not making. He's not the joke at all. He actually yeah. seems to be, come off as and, very compelling. And I don't want to say like anytime you hear you see a, a an African American or black actor doing something in the seventies or sixties that like, uh oh, probably bad. Um. And, and and maybe it's fine. I just and he was a famous dancer and actor, okay. so they're looking for somebody. And I think they're specifically putting him in a tropical place. I'm I don't, I'm not a, even I'm making just sort an of argument getting like here. Punjab from Annie mm, vibes I somehow. See. Now that you see how he's dressed, now I didn't yeah. describe it for the listeners. He's wearing like you know um, a, a white blazer with kind of a tropical scarf underneath it. Like he's, he's surrounded by cool. parrots and rattan. It is a real parrot behind him. I mean, he's definitely in the tropic. You can see the shadow of a fan spinning behind him. Um, I didn't think it was problematic. I'm still not convinced that it is, but uh, you know, I'd be open to it if you know. I don't know. Yeah, you haven't convinced me. I, no, no, I don't and, know. I, and I'm not convinced. again because he's so he comes off as so charming, and he's somebody who is he's not like an extra who they brought in to like yeah. kind of portray in a certain. It's way. just that I don't think of Seven Up. Where did you say Seven Up was from? It was from somewhere in like the. Like upper Midwest or where did you say it was? Yeah, I think well they hired a Chicago ad company. I know. Yeah, I don't know. I just get a weird like vibe from this because I don't associate them as like a Caribbean mm. product. I think they're going for the lemon and limes, like you know, right? Like a place no, I, where citrus is grown. Yeah, I mean citrus is grown in a lot of places. Yeah, it could have been Arizona. Right. Could have been my grandma. Could have been Florida. Could have been Florida. Um, I don't know. California. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, if people have opinion on that, uh, write in. Maybe I'm in yeah, the we'll wrong. Yeah, we'll post it to the Facebook page. Maybe Genevieve's just a snowflake. No. I am a snowflake, obviously. And I, I just think it's worth interrogating anytime you see uh, a company like this employ yeah. like an exotic uh, you know, setting or, um, you know... I just think it's worth interrogating. Yeah, I mean, there's a modern one that I always wonder about, and I keep on meaning to research, so I should probably do that before I open my mouth here, but what is the fried chicken company that's owned by, I think, you know, essentially white people? Oh, Popeye's? Is with it, the with the Louisiana, there's a, there's a woman and she says American like, actress, and she says my recipe. Yeah, and they so really it's are very kind. down home. And, and I don't like think it's an American owned company. I think, and so that always felt a little exploitative to me. But again, I don't know, it, rightfully so or not. Do you mind covering your um, computer again as I move on to this next one? Sure. Uh, oh, actually, actually, Genevieve, <laughs> I'm, trying say, I'm trying to say actually more. Great. Um, so, I love. Citrus drinks. You know I love me. What's the um, grapefruit one? A squirt. I love squirt. You like a squirt. You like a fresca. Sprite. I love fresca. I love 7-Up. Except I went. So watching this, I'm really thirsty. It's warm here in Seattle today. So right before you got home, I ran across the street to the drugstore and I picked up a 7-Up. And it was already in my hand when I realized, no, I picked up a Sprite. I am a Sprite loyalist. Wow. I don't know why. I always drink Sprite. And then I looked at it, I'm like, well, I can just get a Sprite. And I was like, but 
It was 7-Up that brought me here. So, <laughs> this isn't a blind taste test, but Dance I with did the one that brung you. buy one bottle of 7-Up yeah. and one bottle of Sprite. And I was thinking that maybe we could each try one. Not It's not a blind taste test, but can we? do you want to start with Sprite or 7-Up and then we'll trade? Okay, I'll try it with the 7-Up. You do the 7-Up. This is I got the Sprite. And let's just try them right in a row and see if we can tell the difference. So, mine was Sprite, which I'm... I'm very familiar with mm-hmm. the taste of Sprite, so I don't know how to describe yeah, it. Yeah, I've, I've drunk more Sprite in my life than 7-Up. And by the way, I think Sprite might be Lyman. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said 7-Up was Lyman before. I think I said Sprite. I oh, meant okay. Sprite. I think I was think I was hearing something All right. else. So I'm going to say before, I, before very, I drink the Sprite yeah. that the 7-Up tastes to me sweeter and closer to ginger ale than Interesting. what I think of as Sprite. We'll see if I'm right. My guess is that I always think of Sprite as having more of a rounder sugarier, syrupier feel and 7-Up being bubblier and sharper. Let's see if I'm right. I think... Indistinguishable. I think maybe... I think you're right about the ginger ale thing unless you just put that in my head. I mean, (laughs) so, so, so close. Yeah. Uh, This might be slightly more ginger ale-y, which I guess would speak to a certain kind of... I don't know, like, is that acidity? Well, it's a ginger Ginger flavor. But I don't know if there's any ginger. I mean, although, I'm, and I wonder if I was thinking that because you had said earlier that it was initially marketed as like a mm. mixer and more of like an upset stomach tonic. And that's what I think of as gin- ginger ale as being. So I poisoned your brain, then you poisoned mine. Right. Our brains are just poisoned. And now everything tastes like ginger for the rest of our life. Anyway, I'm going <laughs> to drink the rest. I love 7-Up and Sprite. So I'm going to drink the rest of this during the show. And that means what? You're going to have a sugar high and then you're going to need a nap. Uh, I'm going to burp a lot. Oh, okay. So we'll do that thing where I write down the time code when I burp and I cut it out. I don't <laughs> like burping on the show, but I feel one right now. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, here is your next clue. Tastes great. Less filling. Tastes great. It's less filling. Now, you remember that ad campaign, of right? Of course. But and I was wondering, can you remember which? And of course, it's a light beer. Uh-huh. And that light beer is called... Is it? Is it? Is it Miller Lite? Wow, Amazing. that was a guess. That was just a random guess. I would have guessed Bud Light. I, I think. wanted to guess Bud Light, but something about I, I my vague memory that I was I said it was just a guess. I had a vague memory that there was something about that campaign that was responsive to another campaign mm. where. They were saying they were less filling than than the leading market leader. That, I did not come across that. I don't think that's the case. Is that not true? I that no. was I that was like what I thought it was. And I and if there's one, if there's one company that's always the leader, it's Bud Light. And if there's one that's always mm. the follower, oh, I see. It seems like it's Miller Light. I don't think this was a reaction campaign. It is again. I think it's an interesting story, but it was so well written on a website or a blog called Sports on Earth, which is, I'm going to say, as a somewhat of a, a brand dissector or analyst, not the best name for oh, a publication, I, Sports on Earth. Oh, I kind of like it. It's definitely weird, right? Like, yeah. you're like, well, what is it? Is this to be read by aliens? But I, I, I kind of love the... the uh the sort of absurdity of it. Well, I'm glad you like it. This is written by Alan Siegel in 2013, and here's how it opens. 
Bob Lenz is the name he's going to mention, L-E-N-Z. Bob Lenz thought he might be hearing things. It was the spring of 1984, and the advertising executive's son was graduating from Boston University. During the ceremony, some presumably restless or drunk college seniors started a call-and-response chant. Half a row yelled, tastes great. The other half replied, less filling. This wasn't a case of rebellious frat boys sticking it to the dean. They were only repeating lines from a light beer commercial. This phased no one except for Lens. After all, it was his catchphrase. At the McCann Erickson agency, he had helped develop it for the Miller Brewing Company. That morning it hit him. The silly little slogan had become a cultural phenomenon. I wanted, Len says, to shrink under the seats. <laughs> He so should that's be proud. how it opens. Yeah, I thought he should be proud, too. Again, reading directly here from Sports on Earth, uh, the ads ran from 1974 to 1991. And star, and wow, starred, they yeah. ran that long? Yes, and they starred retired athletes. You and I were not getting the joke half the time when we saw these things as kids because I didn't know who... I probably didn't realize how famous a bunch of these people were. We also weren't old enough to drink beer back then. Yeah, but I'll tell you. I mean, I knew these commercials really well, but I just thought it was a bunch of people arguing. And in some cases, they were just randos arguing, like, you know, just like unknown actors. But um, this was a campaign that really, in, in the early days, really heavily relied on sports figures, which wasn't quite, I mean, it was not unprecedented, but it wasn't as common as it is now. Uh-huh. Uh, retired athletes. I mean, I barely understood what less filling meant in the context of beer. Yeah. Yeah, yet I knew. I know as a kid, like this was something that we would say. Like yeah. it was it got in the it got in the water supply. Uh it starred retired athletes, coaches and celebrities including Bubba Smith, Dick Buttkiss, Bob Euchre, John Madden, Red Auerbach, George Steinbrenner, Billy Martin, Joe Frazier and Rodney Dangerfield. He was the only one I recognized in the commercial I was watching today. There's the burp. You would know what Steinbrenner looks like. Yeah, I don't think he happened to be in the one I was looking at. Anyway, it turns out the idea of a light beer at this time was uh, super new and not popular. And the Miller Brewery was floundering. This is before they were all one brewery. (laughs) You know, like there were a a million of them, like names that we recognize today. And Miller was like in last place in sales. So they're trying to catch up. And then here's directly from the article again. In 1972, Miller acquired something called Meister Brow Light. The regional lower-calorie beer was popular in one place, Anderson, Indiana. Steve Norsha, who headed the Miller account for McCann Erickson, spent a week there trying to figure out why. The small city was home to a Delco Remy plant, and after making ignition parts all day, the factory workers liked to kick back and drink Meister Brow lights. Quote, they'd go to the bar and suddenly they'd realize they didn't fart and belch and do everything else that they did when they drank Meister Brow light, Norsha said, because they didn't get filled up. The claim was never scientifically proven, but Norsha was onto something. A less filling brew would appeal to the two-fisted beer drinker. In other words, the beer drinker who drank a lot of beer. You're looking at one yeah. who drinks a lot of Miller Lite. That's true. By 1973. Is that why you like it? It's less uh, filling? I don't know. Well, I probably when I started, I started drinking Bud Light first. That was my first foray into just like drinking cheap beer. And then it was actually our friend Hannah from the famous Spotless podcast, Hit Podcast, uh, our friend uh, who said... Um, you know that Miller Lite has good labor relations and the, they're a union shop so we, you and I both switched to that and now I went to drink a Bud Light the other so day sweet. after yeah like sweet and almost like a 
I'm not saying this to be mean or rude because people used to give me shit all the time when I drank Bud Light and I thought they were acting like snobs, but it's a sweetness that's almost a rotting sweetness. <laughs> like it's a, kind of an unpleasant sweetness, mm-hmm. I felt. And it, I wouldn't have guessed that Miller and Bud Light taste, tasted so differently. But now until, I can tell the difference. Yeah, yeah. I definitely can. I mean, it's just what we're used to. It's not that it's not really a value judgment, but it doesn't taste good to us anymore. Um, so anyway, apparently back then they didn't want to uh, associate the light beer with any kind of dieting or anything because that was very unmanly. Sure. Um, but the, the best way to kill any product is to associate it with women. <laughs> right. And apparent, especially beer, right? And then uh, apparently one day somebody, one of the ad people had this idea and like scrawled it on a piece of paper that they ran into the office and it just said, everything you always wanted in a beer and less. Oh, and I that's like that. actually the real slogan of the campaign. The catchphrase <gasps> is "taste great, less filling," and it's this argument that people have. But the actual slogan that is at the end of each one is "everything you always want in a beer." That's so and VW. Less. Think small. Yes, yes, yes. And this is uh, what do we say? Like seventy three, seventy four ish. Yeah. Um, so it all started with um, one of the ad people in charge of this campaign was on the bus. They looked up. They saw um, a picture of uh, running back Matt Snell, who recently retired from the New York Jets right after they won a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Three, by the way. And he said he looked up and he just had this really charming smile. He was in an ad or something. He just said, yeah, let's give him a shot. So the very first commercial was just him sitting in a bar talking about how he enjoyed it. He probably got paid in like a case of Miller Lite. Yeah. Um, And he doesn't, he never gets into the taste great, less filling. He just talks about the light beer. And so now you have this very manly guy, right? This African-American running back, you know, big guy. Right. Um, we're not talking about a kicker here. <laughs> um, talking about how he likes drinking this beer that a is Carl much Weathers, lighter. A Carl Weathers, par example. <laughs> right. And he's there's a bunch of beers on the table in front of him. He's like, I didn't drink all these myself. My friends are here. Anyway, so that's the first commercial. Then in 1976, er, uh, McCann Erickson wrote a spot uh, that starred Boston Celtics player and coach Tommy... Heinsen? I might be saying the name wrong, and I've looked him up. He's very famous. I couldn't get a pronouncer, though. So all of our sports listeners are probably making fun of me. But Tommy Heinsen and then... Uh, all of our sports listeners. Hi, Nick. Hi, hi Nick. And ex-NBA referee Mendy Rudolph. So you have a ref and a, and a player coach there. And they start getting into a shouting match about the beer's best quality. And that's when this is born. Let's take a listen to this original commercial. You know, we've had a few disagreements over the years, but there's one thing we do agree on, and that's light beer from Miller. Light is one-third less calories than their regular beer. But the best part is that it tastes so great. <laughs> the best part is it's less filling. Nah, it tastes great. Less filling. Tastes great. Less filling. Less filling. You know even less about beer than basketball. That's it, Heinsohn. You're out of the bar. Light beer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer and less. So you did get a pronouncer on Heinsen. Oh, oh, I did get a pronouncer. Oh, <laughs> it was in the uh, ad. He, he screams at Heinsen. Um and I guess I got it right then. Yeah. Okay, I can edit all that floundering out. Anyway, I don't know. I've been doing a lot of talking. I found that story really interesting. Yeah. From the the um, tension over a light beer and how it came about, the less farting and burping. That the, they the, I like that there was one town that like yes. the secret the secret town of no farts. A <laughs> Can we name the show that? That's a documentary now I'd like to see. The Town of No Farts. We should watch some more of that um, uh, tonight. Uh, Okay, uh, sorry, now I'm just making our after show TV watching plans. Okay, I'm going to play another one of these for you. Let your fingers do the walking. The Yellow Pages. That's right. Associated with which phone company? 
Um, uh, That's just a bonus anyway. The Bells? The Bells, technically AT&T, um, but representing all of its Bells, which were in the 20s around this time. Was this, I mean, this would have been... When did the Bells get broken up? So this is one where I couldn't go to one source place. I had to go all over the place and try to piece this together because there's some really dazzling details about one part of this. The slogan and logo were created in 1962 to promote AT&T's Yellow Pages. And I remember reading in one of these places that was around the time. they weren't. I don't think they were broken up yet so it was AT&T but they had control of all the bells and this was kind of like what they were trying to like kind of put them under umbrella with this a little bit and so they came out with the the yellow I think the yellow pages were already a thing but they were kind of advertising their yellow pages as let the fingers do the walking and they had that um that very famous logo oh I can't as soon as I heard it I pictured it you picture the logo the hand the fingers that are walking you know who owns the trademark on that oh who Nobody. Yes. From www.yellowpagesunited.com, a blog about the Yellow Pages that I was on. There's a 2012 post called The Yellow Pages Walking Fingers, the most famous symbol never trademarked. Wow. Surprisingly, neither the symbol nor the Yellow Pages name are protected by copyright or federal trademark registration. AT&T, I'm obviously quoting directly here, the creator of the most famous three-fingered version. I was confused by that. If you look at it, you can see a little bit of the thumb, right. and that's the third finger. So AT&T created the most famous version. They never applied for a trademark, an oversight noted as one of the most remarkable in corporate branding history. Although the company did trademark a different version of the symbol, AT&T itself did not consider the three-finger symbol to be proprietary or solely owned and allowed any company, even its competitors, to use it on its own telephone directories. It says, today almost every independent directory uh, uses some form of the famous symbol and all are free to create their own versions. Some companies have developed their own unique symbols, but most stay close to the original. Even Bell South, and I ended up stumbling on another article about this when it was new. I came across an LA Times article from 1998. Even Bell South developed a new symbol and slogan, a light bulb with the tagline, get an idea. They thought, you know, it was the beginning of the internet time and it was less about get an idea. finding something and no, more. You get an idea. Yeah, no, you get an idea. Um, and it was a light bulb. You get an idea. That lasted about two years before they abandoned it and went back to the fingers walking. Get an thing. idea sucks. Get an idea sucks. Um and also, I don't know how that exactly competes with the internet age, but uh, okay. <laughs> idea. I wish, I wish we had some product that get an idea would be the perfect slogan. Get for. an idea. <laughs> there's a sports show I listen to. They have a segment called Have an Opinion Already. And there's another sports show I listen to on the same, same station that has a segment called have an opinion jerk it's like on the same station it's like I think they're barring from so Luke and I are always saying to each other have an opinion already jerk maybe you could introduce get an idea when things get boring jerk face get an idea um, okay so here's one I wanted to just play you this yellow pages ad this is from the 80s I was just looking for one playable one that actually uses the let your fingers do the walking uh, slogan Oh, I should mention, this guy is um, sitting in like a, a lounge chair outside of his pool when suddenly it looks like his pool sprung a leak. A, a, a hose goes bad. Help! The crazy pool hose broke! Help! 
I love that. The, why is the crazy? Why is the hose crazy? Why is the hose crazy? Help! The crazy pool hose broke. Helen! The Bell Yellow Pages talks when your fingers do the walking. Pool doctor, we make emergency calls. Calling can save you time and energy. Mrs. Murphy? Pool doctor? You recognize my voice. Get the Yellow Pages talking. We make emergency calls. Let your fingers do the walking. It's probably a little confusing with the audio. She opens up the phone book, and that's when his ad literally speaks to her. Right. Uh, it's not a really great ad, but this next one I want you to watch with me. So if you want to remove the Amy Grant record that I put across your screen to protect you from seeing the answers... Uh, I want you to tell me if you recognize the actor in this. At least I assume I'm right about who it is. Uh, This Yellow Pages commercial is for New Jersey Bell specifically from 1986. It's black and white and it's supposed to be like kind of a noir film feel. Yeah. And there's two guys in there and the one guy is on the phone. Tuesday, 12.02 p.m. Lunch break. He hangs up the phone, and now his partner wants to know what's wrong. It's not so much noir as it is, um, uh, what's the... Dragnet? Dragnet, Well, they're using the Dragnet music, that's for sure. Tuesday, 12.02 p.m., lunch break. What's wrong, Joe? Forgot Nancy's birthday again. What now? I don't know. Oh, it's... Our yellow pages? Lots of choices. Do you recognize that guy? Of course I do. It is, um, it's, I want to say his character name, but I know his real name and it is David Leisure. Is that true? That's a perfect name for him because I only know him as the pilot next door neighbor at Empty Nest, right? And Joe Isuzu. And who? And fam- Joe Isuzu, famously. He was the Isuzu guy. We do a, he was the famously, the, Really? Look know. it up right now. What is a Zuzu? What do you? It do? was a car. Oh, oh, oh! Did we? He was in a. I don't remember this. You don't? Do you remember the Isuzu car? Um, it was like I want to say. That. I don't know if Isuzu was Korean or Japanese. It was definitely an Asian car brand. Look up Joe Isuzu. Okay, so have we talked about this on the show? And you're mad at me that I don't remember, or just I'm, I should know it? You should from... just know it from being alive. <laughs> Which I may not be long if I can't get this dialed up. Joe Isuzu. All right. David Leisure as Joe Isuzu. Here, this is commercial. This indeed, is a commercial indeed. from 1990. Hi. Want to save $2 million? It's easy. Just buy 1,000 Isuzu Troopers at $13.5 million, and generous factory cash can help you save $2 million. Of course, you could buy just one and save up to 2000 but remember, the more you buy, the more you could save. So think big. Buy a million Troopers and save $2 billion. You have my word on it. Now, Isuzu... Okay, a couple of things. First of all, I don't remember that at all. Um, he was in dozens of commercials. And I just don't. I just. I don't have a reference for that. I don't have. I mean, I'm sure I've seen them. I just didn't remember that. But honestly, like I forgot that Isuzu was a car. We were having a moment there. It was like you were speaking a different language. You just kept yelling Isuzu at me. And I didn't know if it was a type of steak. I didn't know what the hell. You just kept yelling Isuzu louder. It reminded me of this, like, when somebody's talking to somebody who doesn't speak English, and they just keep yelling it louder and louder. That is what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so. So anyway, this is David Leisure, a.k.a. Joe Isuzu, a.k.a. The Neighbor on Empty Nest. Yes, and really... That that's all I wanted to show you. We can play the rest of the commercial. Or start it over. 12.02 p.m. Lunch break. 
What's wrong, Joe? Forgot Nancy's birthday again. What now? I don't know. Our yellow pages? Lots of choices. Diamonds, furs, limousines. Not on your salary. Restaurants, take your pick. Here, DeRusso's. His ad says it all. Candlelight, dining beneath the stars, strolling violins. And then afterwards you kept... I'll take it from there, Frank. Hey, they're talking about sexual relations. Pages from New Jersey Bell. We wrote the book. They are. We wrote the book is kind of a good uh, catchphrase, too. I like that, yeah. Um, yeah, that, was, that ad was fine. Uh, all right, uh, Amy Grant album cover goes back on all your right. screen now so that you cannot see this next Ironically, one. Ironically, this album is called Unguarded. Oh, you're right. Um, by the way, the actual slogan was created by somebody named Stephen Baker. I had to find that out when I found his obituary in the L.A. Times. He died in 2004. Okay, are you ready for your next clue? Yeah. Okay. So far, I'm batting a 1,000. As well you should be. Mm-hmm, good. Oh. Um, Take your time, because I just drank a big thing of 7-Up. Mm-mm, good is... Um, Oh, it's so, it's so obvious. I feel crazy that I don't this is know. Interesting. It. See, I wondered about this. It is very obvious, but I wondered if taking away, yeah, like, the... out of context, it's like, is it Pillsbury? Let me give you a. I don't know if this is helpful or not, but I had to edit it very specifically because they always say their name and then mm-mm, good. And yeah. this one is old. This goes back to pre-television days, by the way. The slogan, Campbell's. Campbell's soup. It yeah. is. Congratulations. Uh, I'm going to give you a bit of a history on Campbell's Soup, the company itself. I don't think we've ever talked about this, but I find it interesting. Have we talked about this? I, I don't know yet. <laughs> we talked about Stouffer's. I remember that, which uh, was founded in Cleveland. In 1869, a fruit merchant, Joseph Campbell, and an icebox manufacturer, Abraham Anderson, shook hands in Camden, New Jersey to form a business that would become the Campbell's Soup Company. By the way, I'm reading from an article from 2010 in the Mount Vernon Sun. Okay. The internet is a fascinating place. It is. It's like the irony is that the internet enables us to see all of this amazing local media, local coverage, and then it killed it. Yeah. Exactly. Originally called the Joseph A. Campbell Preserve Company, it produced canned vegetables, jellies, and soups. In 1897, major milestones occurred when the general manager reluctantly hired his 24-year-old nephew, Dr. John Dorrance, a chemist who was trained in Europe. Dorrance was so determined to join Campbell, he agreed to pay for lab equipment himself, and he accepted a token salary of $7.50 per week. He made his mark on history that year with the invention of condensed soup, which lowered the costs of packaging, shipping, and storage. So before, so now you have a 10-ounce can that you can sell for $0.10 as opposed to $0.30 for a 32-ounce can. So people were buying soup cans like the size of... Like, uh, just like a huge can of soup, like a like a yeah, because you can didn't of tomato add, juice or something. You didn't add water. Yeah, it was all it, it came as is. You would heat it up on the stove, right? But now you condense it, and then you say add one can of water afterwards, and you're getting the same amount of soup, but you're saving so much money on packaging, packaging, and shipping costs that you then don't have to pass on to the consumer. Um, and then it says advertising helped in 1904. The cherubic Campbell's Kids were introduced for trolley car advertisements. Uh, women's magazines had 21 varieties at 10 cents. That's what they would advertise. Uh, 
National Geographic had full-page ads for years for one specific variety each month, but always included 21 varieties at 10 cents a can. One of the earlier soups was oxtail soup, quote, made with meaty oxtail joints. Yeah, oxtail soup still... I eat oxtail soup. They have it at the restaurant on the street, but it just made with meaty oxtail joints doesn't sound like a great (laughs) selling point to me. In 1931, the company started its first... Well, I'd like to see you make a good oxtail soup without some meaty oxtail joints. (laughs) Well, it's just like, is that how we're going to communicate it? So they get into broadcast advertising back in 1931 with a radio jingle. Now, that purports to be from the 1930s. It might not be. It could be later than that. It also could be somebody who took a jingle and made it sound really old. But I'm willing to buy it. Sure. Um, For my money, Campbell's Soup is still a really good deal. Yeah. Me too. I, I I don't like to be without a couple of cans of Campbell's Condensed Soups. It's a very reliable meal when you don't feel like doing anything else. Um, I came across another obituary online, this one from NPR, um, singing the praises of Robert Swanson, who was a jingle guy. He wrote all kinds of jingles, and apparently he wrote the one that was televised starting in like the 1950s or 60s. Um, Here, this is a Campbell's Soup commercial from 1959-ish. Have you, have you had your soup today? Campbell's, of course. Campbell's, of course. Have you, have you had your soup today? Campbell's tastes good. Mmm, good. Have Campbell's every day. You get vitamins that way. Proteins and minerals, too. Well, not if it's not with all the noodles, and especially it's got re, it's got really high, so salty, yeah, sodium levels. Um, what was I gonna say? I had a thought. Oh, one thing I noticed is Mm-mm "good" has got to be one of the most enduring slogans going back to the '30s. That's still used today. They took a break from it for a little bit, but came back to it again in the past. Sometime in the past 10 years, I was reading an article about how their sales were slipping. You've mentioned before about various competition for, like, quick, quick meals. Um, And so they went back, probably trying to draft off the nostalgia thing a little bit, and they went back to it. But even though it's been around for so long, there is not one like standard version of it. Like so many other slogans that are also jingles, you you can think of the song that goes along with them, right? But this was just always purposed in different ways. Even today, if you hear mm good, it's in some sort of like modern jingle. Right. Nothing kind of holding it together. Their thing now is made for real, real life. Yeah, that's right. That was an interesting campaign. I don't know if it's still going on. Have you seen any ads? I feel like I've seen some iteration of it. Yeah, that's, I think no. they're sticking with this. Not that they're necessarily tossing out mm good altogether. I mean, you know, a brand can do multiple campaigns. We've seen that in a lot of for a lot of products but um i think they're really sticking with this idea that it's there's such a thing right now about with like trying to make parents and i think especially moms feel supported and like a lot of products i notice are sort of trying to capitalize on that of like hey you know sometimes you feed your kids a chocolate easter bunny for dinner and that's okay right 
<laughs> is it okay if I have one for dinner? I'm not. I don't know. Ask your mom. <laughs> um, She'll but, say no. But like, you know, I think there's been, and I think I see that with Campbell's and like um, Pampers is doing this too, like your first kid versus your second kid. Like you, you know, your second kid, you're just like, whatever, mm-hmm. wipe off the pacifier on your shirt and stick it back in their mouth. Mm-hmm. So this sort of idea that like parent, and I think that's great. Like, I think it's fine to, you know, it's a, it's a good idea both culturally and also commercially to be more practical and realistic about what parenting looks like. It's not Donna Reed in a in high heels and a skirt vacuuming. You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. absurd. But I do think there's a little bit of like <laughs> our friend, uh, our friend Rachel told me an interesting statistic recently about a rise in alcoholism among women and that it's partially attributed to this idea that like, hey, moms can have wine at 10 o'clock in the morning because like momming is hard. Um, and so I think there is a little, we are sort of drifting into like, hey, however you parent, however mm-hmm. shitty it is, like that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cool, man. Mm-hmm. Baby's got knives. <laughs> Sometimes babies carry knives around. You know what? <laughs> Momming is hard. Amer- America's kids got knives. <laughs> um, all right, here, this is my last one for you. Now this, I think will be your biggest challenge. Okay. Campbell's soup was hard. Impossible. Is nothing. I'm gonna play it again. Are you? Do I definitely? Impossible. Is nothing. And I definitely know this product. It's not like some obscure product that I wouldn't have heard of. I mean, if you've ever been to a grocery store in Japan, you know this product. No, 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 no. no. It's it's not a grocery store product, and um, yes, you would know it. Okay, play it one more time. Okay, here we go. Impossible. Is nothing. Feels like an athletic brand. Go with that. Um, I feel like I know Nike so well that if it was Nike, I would know it. Although they do a lot, so I could be missing something that they've done. Um, so it feels like something, something that's big but not Nike big. Like I'm just gonna take a flyer and say. Reebok. Sorry, uh, but you did you did a lot of good working out the puzzle there, puzzling out the work. Yeah, uh, it's Adidas. I was my second choice. Mm. I was so close, so close. Mm. George Costanza. <sighs> Never go with your first instinct. Never go with go my with first the opposite. instinct. Well, the opposite wasn't that. Yeah, the opposite was Icy Pops. Um, <laughs> impossible is nothing. So what do you think of when you think of impossible is nothing? Well, I mean, I don't really think of anything. It doesn't ring any bell to me. See, it does ring a bell to me, and I, I guess these things must be related in some way. I think of the famous 2006 viral video that was it was made by this guy Alexi Vayner who made like a video resume for himself where he was kind of boasting about his worldview and then included a bunch of shots of him pumping iron and it was like he had somebody ask him a question at the beginning and then he just yes it's like a self-produced thing that makes it seem like he's being interviewed yes it went viral because it was like he was trying to like put himself out there as a as a going concern right hire me and this is 2006 it was like like beyond parody it was like in one of the early like i mean 2006 
isn't the dark days of the internet, but we're still like kind of starting to see new phenomenon. And this yeah. was kind of a new phenomenon as something going viral that is also like, you know, making fun of this guy just by playing something that he made for yeah. himself. Um, I'll play the beginning of it for you and then the end. And it starts with, uh, um, you know, on a black screen, white letters that say impossible is nothing. Now, this is not the commercial, just to be clear. This right. is the viral video. This is for this dude. Lexi, you're known as somebody who has studied the principles of personal development for a long time. Applying these principles to yourself, you've coincidentally become a model of personal development and inspiration to many around you. Although success is different to every individual. Now, I got to say, so we do not see the person asking the question. It fades from black just onto Alexi. Can I look at this? Uh, yes, you can. Yes. And... As the as the person who's clearly reading a script that Alexi wrote for him gives him this compliment. Oh, yeah, I, remember, I remember this dude. The guy does this kind of like little bashful kind of grin. Development and inspiration to many around you. Although success is different to every individual, it is generally accepted notion that people are much happier when they grow, develop, and are good at what they do. How do some people like yourself become very proficient in the fields much faster than most? Well, so first of all, what? Yeah. Was there a question in there? <laughs> that was the question. That's what was the question? <laughs> what was the question? And now the rest of the video, which is like seven minutes long, is Alexi answering that. Faster than most. Well, thank you. I guess the first thing the person needs to <laughs> understand is that success is a mental transformation. It's not an external event. To be successful, you must first know exactly what you want to achieve. Second, you need to commit to the sacrifices that it will take to achieve your goal. So he and goes on for a really long time, but yes. now we only see him sitting in the chair right now, but then as he continues to talk, we see him in various scenarios. We see him in a gym, that he had somebody record himself in a gym, pumping ridiculous amounts of weight if we believe that that really is the weight on those barbells which I am very dubious of yeah uh, later on in the video we see him supposedly him doing crazy freestyle skiing although we never quite see his face we see that him could be on literally anyone the tennis court we see at one point him uh, kind of um, is it is it salsa dancing or I think ballroom, it's just ballroom dancing, dancing with a woman who's like half dressed? And can I tell you, do you who do you think this reminds me of? Uh, a, a friend of yours, sort of. It was a a guy that I knew. Uh, he was a good. He was like a really good friend of a friend of mine in college, um, and he ended up going to prison for insider uh, trading and fraud. But right. he was also Russian, and he that was his whole steez was like. I'm good at everything, and let me tell you how I've like mastered all of mm -hmm. these fields. And I never met him because he was in prison. By the time you, we were at the we, wedding we where you went, wouldn't met him, we went to a the friend's wedding who was like would have been your mutual friend, I guess. Everybody yeah. was talking about this guy who had gone to prison. Well, here's the end of this epic video. Napoleon Hill said it best: "What you can conceive and believe, you can achieve." You must first believe beyond any reasonable doubt that success is possible. Remember, to achieve success, you must first conceive it and believe in it. Impossibility is just another term, another opinion. It should have no bearing in your success whatsoever. Remember, impossible is nothing. 
he, supposedly he, somebody uh, at the very end. Yeah, I think that's some tricky karate editing Karate chops a stack of like 12 bricks and they all break in the middle. Somehow we see his face beforehand, then it's a close-up of the bricks and you don't see his face when Weird. he breaks them. And then it comes back and we see him do a bow um, at the end. So that thing came out in 2006 and I that's really stuck with me. And then did Adidas Impossible steal it? No, apparently that whole Impossible is Nothing thing came from Adidas, a campaign that they rolled out in 2004. To, so he was inspired by that. But the quote itself comes from Muhammad Ali, who was in this campaign. So Adidas releases this campaign. Uh, it was a year-long brand campaign uh, from the press release here. It brings to life the attitude Adidas shares with athletes around the world, the desire to push yourself further, to surpass limits, to break new ground. You know, blah, 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 tennis shoe selling stuff. Um, the uh, first commercial they released in the campaign showed Muhammad Ali... This was so confusing to me because I knew this commercial was supposed to feature Muhammad Ali and his daughter, Laila Ali, if I'm saying her name correctly, who I believe is also a boxer, definitely an athlete of some sort. And it looks like they're all jogging together, but I, I was so damn confused because he looks so young in this. Muhammad Ali looks so young in this. And then I finally found out, so it's called The Long Run, and it features... I'm reading from a quote here. Seven of today's top athletes, David Beckham, Tracy McGrady, Laila Ali, uh, some I, other looks people. looks just like Layla to me. Okay, Layla Ali, okay. Um, and they join a young Muhammad Ali on one of his famous morning runs in 1974. The ingenious post-production seamlessly merges new footage with the original film shot in Zaire. So he was, he went on, I didn't know he was famous for going on these morning runs. And then they digitally inserted these other famous famous athletes and it looks like they're all going on this jog together and this is the voiceover some people listen to themselves rather than listen to what others say these people don't come along very often but when they do they remind us that once you set out on a path even though critics may doubt you it's okay to believe that there is no can't, won't, or impossible. They remind us that it's okay to believe impossible is nothing. Now, as far as I know, that's not an actual quote from him. The impossible is nothing is, but that whole commercial, it, I could be wrong, but I couldn't verify that all the voiceover in there is actually a quote of Muhammad Ali. He does have a quote here, impossible is just a big word thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in the world they've been given than to explore the power they have to change it. He goes on and on and on, and then the final line in the quote is impossible is temporary, impossible is nothing. So it looks like they were kind of riffing off of that little yeah. bit in this Adidas ad. Um, it's amazing I, how they can make that footage look like it really right? happened. I was I kept on watching it. I was like, oh, but I don't get how is this happening? Yeah, I thought my brain was broken. No, they're just it just is really incredible what they can do with uh, with digital. But anyway, for hey, me, by the way, sad coda on that oh, Alexi no. Vayner. He died in 2013. I know under some weird circumstances too, and it doesn't. I was trying to get to the bottom of that too. It doesn't look like it was necessarily suicide, but he had posted sounds some, like an OD. Yeah, it looks like he had posted some cryptic things to Facebook about pills 
Beatles before he passed away. I mean, that's kind of the thing. Like, it was really fun when that thing was going around to just make fun of this guy who had this idea of himself and was clearly like a charlatan of some sort. Right. Um, a big talker. But then, you know, when it's 2019 and you're looking back at this thing from 2006 and the kid's he, dead. He had like seven like, years to live. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of like, you know, he was probably struggling with a lot of things and probably literally the world laughing at him didn't, didn't help. help probably yeah. so anyway but i just found that interesting that's probably the least obviously historic of all of these but i found it interesting because i when i hear impossible is nothing i only think of that viral video i had no idea that a, that it was a muhammad ali saying that or, or quote that adidas ended up using yeah boy i hadn't thought about that um that video resume in forever but yeah it, i mean sad sad coda on it but it, it's Still very funny. It is still very funny. <laughs> um, let me ask you a question. So we're going to move into our ad nauseum segment here. I don't have a like music picked out yet for this new segment. We could do one of two things. I could um, play the Michi song again, uh, or you and I could just riff a song together right now. We could just clap our hands and sing. Okay, it feels like that feels like a really bad uh-huh. plan. Like, so that's like what you want to do? historically bad. So that's what you want to do? No. I'll count us in? I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. We can't, we can't find a we can't find a song that's about like repetition. Oh, I'm sure we can. I didn't have time before the show today. Okay. <laughs> I really went deep on some of these stories. Yes, you did. Did you not find it interesting? Uh, I found it complete. Found a very you didn't like complete. it. I did like it, you but it was like extremely it. complete. It was it was. What was boring? What parts? Did I you didn't like? say it was boring. You said you I, that's, you think it was that was boring. your choice of words. I just uh, thought it was. You did a lot of research. I did. Yeah. I thought it'd be fun it, to share it. It was good. Yeah, I liked I, it. I feel bad. Don't feel right, bad. You can have the rest of the show. <laughs> well, we got to talk about ad nauseum. I know you can talk about ad nauseum. <laughs> Um, these ads have been running a lot, and uh, if you're watching, I think I've been seeing them like on Hulu and probably does Prime play ads? I can't remember. I feel like I've been seeing it on some streaming service, and obviously not Netflix because they don't do ads. Um, but these are ads for Amazon Prime, and Amazon is really trying to um, push the fact that they ship furniture for free. And I I get why they're doing that because as a um, as a someone who is addicted to buying furniture online, um, I really pay attention to who does free shipping uh, because if you if you can if you know if you're buying a piece of furniture from like Wayfair or um, Joybird or one of those kind of places, like the shipping can make make or break the whether it's a good deal on a like a piece of like a couch or something. So these ads uh, are really all about that free shipping, but the pitch is delightful. The idea is you have a person who's living a kind of a humdrum life and then they spot while they're online, you know, while while they're on Amazon, they spot a piece of furniture and they have an elaborate fantasy about what their life would be like if they just had this one perfect piece of furniture. Now, I don't think there's a lot of talking in it. So we'll probably I'll probably just have to narrate it. There's a lot of Peebo Bryson in it. <laughs> a lot of Peebo Bryson. For all for what it lacks in talking, it makes up for Peebo Bryson. I probably wouldn't advise trying to describe this on the go because it does move kind of quickly. Um, but to set it up, there's like so this first one is for a bed, right? Right. It's a bed uh, with a, like a, a leather um, um, headboard. 
you know, you have, like a leather-coated covered headboard. And so you have this guy, and he's in this kind of dingy-looking apartment. Let's say humble-looking apartment. He's on his iPad. He bought some hangers or something. And then he keeps flipping through Amazon Prime. And then he sees this bed that you're describing. The bed. The bed with the nice headboard. And then he looks up at his crappy little bed in the corner and it transforms into this bed that he just saw online and he sees himself in it but he now is transformed he's wearing yep. like silk pajamas he's much more he's much more sensual and styled and he's like rolling around on the bed not in a gross way mm-hmm. and just like a, he's having fun with it kind yes, of yes but there's like there is a campy sexiness yeah. to it as well his hair is all loose now right. and sexy he's got a mustache well i guess he's got a mustache in both He's the bed. <laughs> and it's like he's sort of having like a, a sensual encounter with himself. He's, he's seducing himself. He's seducing himself. Uh, he waves at himself. His dog brings him out of his reverie. Free shipping, even on furniture with Prime. So after he sees that, after he self-seduces, he must yes, buy it. The bed has seduced him. I... These ads speak to me so hard. You told me about another one involving a chair, which I had not seen. Is this it here? I looked it up today. So this is exact same plot, only this is a woman in her apartment. She's kind of, same thing. The person starts out, uh, we see them there. They're sort of humdrum every day. She's styled in kind of a, I don't want to say dowdy, but just like unglamorous. And then she spots in, in her Amazon browsing this sort of teal, very modern looking, um, a, like a side chair. Uh, I don't even know what, exactly what to call it, but like a big blue. It looks kind of mad many, kind of mid-century Sort of mid-century, but like, but like mid-century inspired, yeah. not actually vintage. And um, um, one thing I will mention, because I don't know if you remember this, but she's also, I think she's portrayed as a new mom. So probably feeling a little haggard. You're going to hear a baby cooing next right. to her. And so she's probably just not feeling her sexiest right now. She's just probably feeling a little tired and worn out and everything. Mm-hmm. And then we see what version of her appear in this beautiful chair. This like, she's sort of like leather clad, not, not S&M, no. but like you know very like sharp looking leather jacket and and fitted pants uh she's very styled and very sexy and she's kind of like sort of displaying the chair and lounging in the chair and and again she's having this wordless interaction with herself and seducing herself into buying the chair It's not a spinner. Aren't those great? Yeah, this time instead of the dog uh, breaking breaking her out of her fantasy, um, her fantasy self finds a baby bottle in the chair, and then the baby coos, and then it's all over. Uh, That's the first I'd seen that one earlier today. That's pretty good. I think they're terrific, and they're in heavy rotation. And I I'm not. They aren't. Even though I'm seeing them a lot, uh, I am not yet bored of them. I hope they make some more. Yeah, that's why I like when a good campaign has... And there are shorties, too. Yeah, and so when you have something like that, and you can just keep on riffing off it forever, why not? Mm -hmm. I told you, I don't know if this really holds up, but it kind of reminds me of the opposite of the Let Go campaign. And I don't know exactly why, because I guess any ad campaign that's trying to 
get you to buy something and bring it into your house is the opposite of a campaign that's trying to get you to let go of something and get it out of your house. But both of them seem like they're based in fantasy. Yeah, they're based in fantasy and they have to do with sort of object lust. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Good, good thing. So should we check in with the ad council? Let's do it. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words saying. Only the echoes of my mind. All right, what do we got today? I want to start by saying a big thank you to listener Megan, who uh, shared with me this aviation gin ad, which I would be so sad to have missed. Um, this is an ad for, do you know aviation gin? I've heard of it. I think they're sort of like a, you know, I guess more of an up and coming, a smaller label that's that's been growing. Um, I Taking this ad at face value, taking it at its word, this is apparently an, a gin company that Ryan Reynolds just bought, which I get because like that's what all the big, ma- especially male movie stars do now. They either found or or purchase a liquor brand, mm-hmm. and the, or McConaughey just becomes the creative director of one. Right. I mean, he if he, I think even McConaughey may have might struggle to buy Wild Turkey. What is he? What is it? Wild Turkey? I think so. Yeah. That would be. Yeah, he I, wouldn't want. I mean, how rich would right. you have to be to buy Wild Turkey? Right. Pretty rich, I think. But yeah, like these male stars, it's like such the thing. We should actually do a whole show on like, um, you know. We sort of did a show about masculinity and and liquor mm-hmm. ads, but like that's the thing. Like at Harrison Ford has one. Somebody's got a tequila. Uh, George Clooney, I think, has a tequila. And women too. Mila Kunis obviously owns Jim Beam. <laughs> Mila Kunis owns Jim Beam. Exactly. Uh, so I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let this ad basically speak for itself. But uh, what you're you're hearing Ryan Reynolds narrate this, but what you're seeing is Ryan Reynolds, um, sort of wandering around this old stone building um blowing a glass bottle you know like artisan like and then you'll hear what he's he's describing like he's, he's making it he's he making knows the, how to he knows how to glass blow glass oh, and God. he uh well you know give it a give it give it a minute okay. uh, he talked about etching into the glass and you see him doing that so as you're hearing him describe uh his love affair with this gin he is um in a sexy way like making handcrafting the bottle that you'll okay. get your gin in now i see what's gonna happen this is ryan reynolds though so it it's is. gonna break it's, it's gonna break it's gonna break it's gonna okay break now i feel better okay let's take a listen how far would you go for your company it's a question i ask myself every day after falling in love with aviation gin <laughs> so over the top i didn't just buy another bottle I bought the whole company. When aviation became the fastest growing gin in the world, I didn't pat myself on the back or take the day off. I started working even harder. He's blowing glass. That's why, when aviation recently suggested making a signature bottle, I committed to blowing every single bottle personally. And then engraving them by hand. Because can you ever really go too far for your company? I just don't think it's possible. The Ryan Reynolds Signature Bottle. Did you want to jump in? Yes. You notice he said blowing every single bottle. Yes, I did. And that the phrasing wasn't in, uh, intentional. Uh-huh. Because now we have cut from this the scene that you were that I just described mm-hmm. to somebody sitting a man sitting at a bar 
watching that commercial. Um, and that man is famous for something. Let me see if you recognize him. The Ryan Reynolds signature bottle. He gets it. I'll have an aviation gym. Who is that guy? Who is that guy indeed? The guy who said that, he gets it, I'll have an aviation gin, is the guy who was in the Fire Festival documentary who was told to go uh, blow some vendor and said he would do it to get them them their water that they needed. Oh my God. That dude. Is this just an internet thing, do you think? think I don't know. Everything's an internet thing. I don't think this aired on TV. It's pretty long. It's like just over a minute, though. I'm going to look on iSpot to see if this has run at all. Is that amazing? That is an interesting tie-in. And of course, it's like Ryan Reynolds And they don't identify him. There's not like a Chiron that says like the guy who was going to blow someone for water. Right, right. Um, I'm not seeing that this thing necessarily ran on TV. It doesn't rule it it out. But but yeah, I would be sort of surprised if it had, although... You know, let us know if if we're wrong. But it's not just Ryan Reynolds, you know, doing something as a spoof. But also, it's got to be meta, right? Everything with him is like yes, three I mean, different he levels. Is of, Deadpool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it won me over. I mean, Megan, thank you. Yeah, I that's I really would good. be. So did you recognize that guy right away, or did no, you have I, to look it up? And then... I didn't have to look it up because Megan identified him in the um, mm. in her note on I Facebook. See. And it says here... That's what you're missing on Facebook if you're not on there, you guys. It's some good shit. Does she say this ad, great or terrible? Does she want a decision on that? No, no. That's for the next one. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, this next ad is from listener Kathleen, and she posted it. Uh, this is an ad for BMW, and it is called Last Day. And I'm going to tell you what's happening in it because, again, it's mostly visual. Um, But this is an ad for BMW, and it's titled Last Day. Um, And what it is is a montage of the CEO of uh, Mercedes, obviously a BMW competitor, uh, and he's retiring. Um, His name is Dieter Zetje, and it's all like he's he's being applauded as he leaves the office, Mm -hmm. and he turns in his key card and there's a Mercedes S-Class waiting to pick him up with a driver and drive him home. This is the real guy? I think so. Okay. I don't... Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about this. this. Is, but supposedly this is really the the CEO of their competitor. Right. And we're seeing his last day. His last day. I mean, I doubt it's really his last day. I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably like a dramatization of his last day. Okay. Um, he gets home and then there's a, a slogan on the the screen that just says free at last and then he his garage door opens mm. and he zooms out in a BMW sports <laughs> car and then it says something like and I'll we, we can play it and you'll see it have something like uh, thank you Dr. Zetcha for all the years of great competition interesting let's take a look at this you can hear like you know all the employees clapping taking selfies with him. I mean, Mercedes-Benz is all over this, you know, company, this room that they're in. He's being driven home in his Mercedes. Looking at, you know, landmarks. Looking at the factory from the highway. He's left at his home and his driver leaves with the Mercedes. Garage door opens. It says free at last. And he zooms out in an orange, like, BMW, like, hot sports car. Thank you, Dieter Zetsche, for so many years of inspiring competition. 
That's really great, but how do you get the? Uh, I get the would Mercedes love to know the backstory on this. I mean, I think maybe these all these car guys probably know each other, and yeah. like they probably, I think, accept it. He probably was willing to do it as like, you know, a tip of the hat and mm-hmm. just like camaraderie. Right, right, right. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, but I love the idea. I think it's a great idea, and the fact that they were able to do it, and and I think it is legitimately. Uh, a tribute to someone that they love and respect. Right. You know, I mean, it's not, I mean, these guys probably all like go to the same brothels or whatever. I mean, who knows? <laughs> oh, wow. That got real. Um, so do you think that's, I think it's great if we're answering the question, great or terrible, right? Yeah. I, most, almost everybody on Facebook uh, thought it was great. Everyone liked it. Um, Megan did say, I'm a real wet blanket. But I could do without the free at last phrasing. Maybe it doesn't have the same connotation in Germany. Oh, right. Other than that, gentle ribbing and respect in equal measure. Sure. I'm yeah, with you, Megan. Last, I think yeah. I think maybe it didn't. I mean, it's such a, it does see, strike yeah, a weird note for me that I have to wonder if it just doesn't have the connotation where, where it was made. Because for you us. You think it would have been better if we'd actually heard the voice of Dr. King right, kind of exactly. echoing free at last. <laughs> That's what you and Megan are saying? That's what we're saying. Okay. If you're going to invoke, doc, invoke Dr. King, like, invoke it. And we got one more here? This is just something I wanted to say as a plug to our community because I love our Facebook group, and it is there is so much fun stuff happening there. There is this great discussion. So, you know the opera Rigoletto? It's, uh, I think the song is actually called La Donna Immobile. La Donna Immobile. Is know? it in Moonstruck? If it's not in Moonstruck, it's not I don't know. It's not the one in Moonstruck. Play, why don't you give this song a little play? Oh, this link here? Yeah. Let's try this. This is Pavarotti. But of course you recognize this, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like your version better. Thank you. Yeah, it was very beautiful. Um, The reason this came up on uh, the Facebook group is that this is a... Uh, this libretto or whatever the song is I guess it's a libretto I don't know is has been used in so many commercials been used in mm-hmm. Doritos commercials and um, tomato sauce commercials I'm sure car commercials I mean yeah like it's just one of those sort of like and I think we even did maybe d- did a show about like classical music that got, that got repurposed because probably because a lot of it's in um, public domain mm-hmm. But it really sparked this great conversation on... And I'm not going to play any of the ads because they all just sound like this, right? Right. Um, but it sparked this great conversation about learning about opera. I mean, our, uh, that's that's all I wanted to say was that the Facebook group is like a lot of interesting, fun, smart people who are having conversations about sometimes things that might surprise you mm-hmm. that ads kicked off. So just a plug for joining the conversation. This is interesting because he's looking right at the camera for part of this, and it's had a commercial feel to me. I kept waiting for the joke to kick in. I kept waiting for, like, Ryan Reynolds to walk onto the screen. Right. All right, I vote to make this our outro music today. Let's yeah, go out with this with if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Uh, everybody, check out the Facebook group. As Genevieve says, it's, uh, just look for After These Messages. Wow. After These Messages show... <laughs> Uh, on Facebook. Same with the email after these messages show at gmail.com. Or call us at 607 444 5597. All right, Pavarotti, take us out. <laughs> <laughs>